Hello and welcome to Queerness and All That Shit, the show that talks about topics and issues involving our LGBT community in the MENA region. My name is Fifi Feronik. And I am Rahim Abdi. We are two queens from North Africa, and in this podcast, no topic is off limits. Be sure to listen all the way through for the juice and the juicy subject. Now, let's roll the music. Hi Fifi, how are you? I'm so happy to be with you today and be co-hosting this podcast, finally. Me too, I'm so excited, I'm so beyond the moon. A good platform for us to talk about all our gay issues in the Mina, darling. Well, we're going to talk about issues and fun things as well. It's not all about the issues. It's about issues, yes. fun, yes. queerness, over the top. And you know me, Fifi, if it's not over the top, I am not in it. <laughs> and what a name, queerness and other things. Queerness and all that shit. I'm, I'm not a cussy person, but yeah, all that shit. <laughs> this is our first episode to record. It's so exciting to talk about our past and how growing up gay actually shaped us to be those fierce queer who have a voice who actually are recording this yeah and uh, queer gay outspoken queens and you know so yeah i'm i'm really excited to revisit the past that shaped me and made me rahim of today (laughs) the queen of today darling you are a queen of today (laughs) you are too you are you are a you are a pharaoh or a queen i'm more of a pharaoh yes your highness (laughs) i'm a queen (laughs) we are two people from kind of different culture because i'm more from the egyptian side and you're more of the north african moroccan side so i think it would be exciting to hear stories from your side as well because i have never been there i have to say but i love the food well to be honest with you it's it's so funny that you said that because sometimes the MENA region the middle east north africa is always mashed in one category but we have like 25 or 23 countries in the MENA region but like we are both of us from the from north africa like morocco and egypt and we are from both ends of north africa and we have similar things and different upbringings as well are we from north africa oh my god i'm bad in geography Honey, you are African. I know I'm African. <laughs> <laughs> you are, you're African. You're North African too. Come on, you're Egyptian. Oh really? <laughs> oh my God, I'm serious. It, I'm, I'm not joking. I really thought we're in like somewhere in Africa, but I didn't know we're North Africa. I, I am shook right now. <laughs> Are you shook? Are you serious? No, 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 no. Are you serious? I swear, I am 100% saying I'm really not joking. Oh my god! Fifi! I'm really bad in geography. I'm really bad in geography. You are North African! (laughs) Oh my god, this is so funny. Yeah, you are African. You are North African, bitch. You are five doors down in me. Like, four doors, no. So I am Morocco, Algeria, So Morocco is extreme, extreme north. West, West north. And then uh, going to east is going to be Algeria, Tunisia, Libya, and then you. So we are like three three countries, not even four. Three countries. Oh my God. Wow. Okay. I really hadn't, I didn't really know. I thought we were more close to the other side, like near um, Sudan. Yeah. So you are like, so uh, you are like, so Egypt, 
uh, underneath it is Sudan and Ethiopia and Eritrea. Okay, so I think we're gonna come up with a new podcast that is gonna be geography.com.org. You are a mess.com. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what's the most joke? I used to work for tourism. Oh so. my god! No, but to answer you, this is like I feel like this is the first lesson we learn in 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 Morocco is where is. Morocco in the map. Oh, by the way, and Egypt is, is like the gateway between Middle East and North Africa. So you are the last country in North Africa to go to the Middle East. I love the name that we are being, gateway. That means that you open all the time. Yep, you are an open book, honey, from all the sides. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, to start the topic of today's episode, I would ask you like the regular question that every gay person asks to another is, when did you know you were gay? Well, oh my God. Basically from the childhood, like from, since I was a little boy, you know, um, babies had bottles and I had <laughs> to suck. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was so always gay. I was so flamboyant. I was you, the stereotypical narrative of I wanna I wanted to play with dolls and I wanted to to wear makeup and wear my mother's heels and so fascinated by the the, the woman's world because I have only brothers. I don't have a sister, so I always like go to my mother's wardrobe yeah. and like steal her dresses when she's gone. And then uh, whenever she's at work, I go to her wardrobe and just like pick up things and but I didn't know what it was but I didn't know what it was that's the difference that I didn't know what it was you didn't really know what it was until certain age when you started to go like oh, okay I am different I'm, I'm in this is me now exactly so I didn't realize for forever since forever I always wanted to be a girl you know because I didn't know that there's other options but when I was 15 so we started to have like receive French TV shows like a networks and then there was like a, this program called Next. It's like a dating program. Like you have to choose who's your perfect date. And if you don't like him, you go next. And then the next one comes in. And then one episode, it was about gays. And I was like, what? And the word was like homosexual, homosexual this, homosexual that. I butchered the word homosexual in Google. That's when I started reading about it. And that's when I find out, oh, there's other people like me around the world. What about you? I also had the same thing like you. I knew since I was a kid that... I liked boys. But at the same time, I also had some feelings like you. I would play with my mom, uh, wear her shoes, you know, like wear her hijab and act like it's like a long hair or the towel. A long I would, hair? I, yeah. <laughs> for me, it was like, towel, oh my God. Yes, everyone, the towel. yeah, exactly, towel. everyone. If I would go for a shower, I would probably be in the bathroom having the towel on <laughs> and just like, playing around but the more i grew up the more i want to be in high school because i want to be with the older guys and then when i went to high school i'm like oh i want to be in college because i see them and i want to be with those older guys it was always for me about the boys but at the same time i could not relate to them and of course it was the feeling of being different it was always there for me also like you it was the age of 10 i would say or 14 when i started to go on the uh, internet back in the days when you connect with the phone line i came across sexual website and they had a category called gay it was only men and i'm like oh my god i think this is where i'm supposed to belong because <laughs> it's just who i am and i think i knew it from that time onward girl didn't stop me i started to be more exactly the same <laughs> thing happened to me when i went to like a porn website it's very famous in morocco it's called 89.com 
and one of the categories it was gay. But for me, I thought gay, G-A-Y, was an acronym of something else that I should know. I thought like G meant something, and A meant something, and Y meant something. But I didn't realize it's like a standalone gay word. That's how ignorant I was. Wow. <laughs> so for me in the 90s, the word gay was not really used. And you know, in Arabic, they don't use it much. And if they used it, they used the bad words, which I would not like to say them because it's kind of offensive, I'd be honest with you. But I think, you know, the two words. In Arabic, in Morocco, Arabic, we use the word zamen. It's like pejorative, bad way to call someone. It's like the F word in English. There is a lot of people who are like from the LGBT community or the MENA, Middle East, North Africa, who are trying to distance themselves and relate more with the word gay more than the pejorative word that is used in our cultures. I remember back in the days in school, there was an incident of something called uh, the Queen Boat where... Uh, it was kind of a gay club that was based in a boat and the police busted everyone and it was in the newspaper and they had their pictures oh and God, their full yeah. names. And I remember asking my mom, like, what happened? And I didn't get an explanation. Instead, we did not see the newspaper for the next week. But then later, when I grew up, I got to know the story. But this was my first encounter to being gay than the websites, of course. And I, and I really encourage you guys, uh, if you are like listening and you want to know more about the story, just to Google it and there is a, there is a book out about the, the story. And there's also a documentary, uh, if you can find, it's called Jihad, Jihad for Love documentary. And the person who was victim of this outings and this like absurd behavior, is telling his story and I hope like you can watch it. Every time we are seeing a, a gay person in the telly, it's about like, an investigation TV show or investigation documentary. And I remember one guy who was like very flamboyant in the telly and investigation program, it was about the nightlife in Morocco. They took a shot of this guy who got arrested. They said to him, so why are you here? He said, oh, I'm here for prostitution. And the next morning, like everyone in schools was picking on me because I was girly and fam in the school and it was like are you gonna be detained for prostitution as well and i was like what do you mean what are you talking about no i'm not like him you know what i mean i was like oh look at him it's like he's like rahim when you grow up you're gonna be him oh my you know God. what i mean the one who got detained and i really broke my heart Ugh, bullying in school who didn't get bullied when you were in school, did you have a lot of friends? Like, how was school for you? Oh, to be honest with you, it's like it was like a culture shock to go to school because I I went to as a public school, you know. I was my my mother my mother's kids because I was very flamboyant and and very gay and very fam feminine. Of course, people started picking up picking on me, and I didn't realize that po at that point that I was girly until I went to school for the first grade. It was my teacher pointed out at me because I was hanging up with a lot of girls in the school she pulled me out from the girl's side and she said if you come near this place I will beat your ass seriously I was seven and then one day I raised my hand in the classroom and I said teacher can I go to the toilet and she said go you home like, I'm not gonna use the word but you know like the alternative word that we use for intersex people oh. she called me that and I had no idea what it was. That really affected me. And I was like, I was fighting with people. And going back to if I had friends, I only had girlfriends, you know, like the opposite gender. And that's how I, I resonated with. And I still, I'm still friends with them. But how about you? Oh. <laughs> 
That's a very hard question. Did you have friends? No, but I was in private school since nursery all the way till I graduated before college. So I spent 15, 16 years of my life in the same school. So it was the same generation every single year. Damn. You know, when I was a kid, there was an accident and, and something happened. So I was always the special one that had to be taken care of since I was a kid. So I was always overtaking care. So with all the love and the attention, I turned up to be spoiled, of course. And I only got to know what his girly is after probably my second grade. But no one wanted to be my friend. There was something that disconnect me with everyone and I didn't understand why. I would be like you, I wanted to be friends with the girl, but instead they didn't want to be friends with me. And I tried to be friends with the boys, so they didn't want to be friends with me. I was bullied, I was beaten, I was pushed. I have seen really bad days. I never played sports. I wasn't part of anything. I would always find myself alone. I only had one friend. She was a girl and she kind of looked like a butch queen. Like she had very short hair, very thin, very tall. <laughs> we love our butch queen. I never spoke to my mom about it because I was also afraid that my mom would believe them and will stop loving me. I was always asked, why do you talk like this? Why do you walk like this? I faced a lot of shit and bullying with teachers turning to them. Sadly, they were like intolerable, unsupportive, and they were unable to see the real me. I felt invisible. They were actually an extension of bullies, can you say? Yes, yes, they were extension of bullying. And I feel like even the teachers were legitimizing the bullies. They were giving them the, giving the reason. They were to giving the them passes. Yes. They were giving exactly. them passes. Oh, you bullied you bullied Fifi, fine. But you bully someone else, you see them bringing the parents. Growing up in the this world, it was not easy. At the same time, I have to say it makes me have thick skin. So on the last three years, honestly, I didn't give a fuck. I was like, okay, do whatever. It just doesn't work, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> so, but, but, but before that, what helped you cope? What did help you cope? Call me gay, it was TV. <laughs> I would just lose myself watching TV and listening mm. to the radio until now. I. I would spend days watching TV if I'm not feeling well. It's weird because it was the same thing for me. It was TV and downloading movies from like the cyber cafe. And every movie I can find with a gay character, I will download it and come to the house again, watch it in the middle of the night with everyone sleeping. And that was like my coping mechanism as well. And like one day, ah, one day I will be living like a fabulous life like this gay person in the telly. But have you had friends from the gay community when when you were in school? Many people who would be close to me out of school, if we're alone, they would be really good friends to me. And I kind of also fucked up my mind for some while. I'm like, okay. I'm going to be the person that people love out of the scene. I would be the hidden friend. I didn't understand why. You know, that's why we're talking about it. Growing up, we didn't know why. You just, you're surrounded by religion and images and media and, and information that contradicted what you felt inside. It's not easy and it's confusing and it puts you at the risk of not able to speak. How's your feeling? I was like chatting with people, chatting with people, and I was like, wow, you, I'm like, I'm not alone, I'm not alone, I'm not alone. And then 
there's this particular moment, this person said to me, oh, let's meet and I'm going to introduce you to my other friend. So I was 16 at this, uh, at this particular moment and I drove and I went all the way like from the other side of town where I grew up to the other side of town. And it was like a, this organization who were doing HIV screening, but they were also giving like a space for the gay community to, to hang out. I went there and I was like, But this is what happened to me. When I went there, I went so butch, like with a deep voice and I'm trying to be like a man. Because, you know, like I was mind fucked, like you said, uh, so many times. So I was like, oh my God, this is so shocking. And I went to see like a lot of queens who were like over the top and they were like amazing and fabulous and who didn't care about life. And they were like, honey, you are 16, I am 32. And all this journey you're going through right now, I've been through it. So just take it easy. So we were like my idol. In, in the MENA region, there is something I think a lot of people didn't know. But it, w- it used to happen here, even in, in the 90s here in the UK, where like you feminize your name. So for example, I am Rahim. People will call me Rahima or Rahma or Rahimo. And then I remember the first time when they called me Rahimo, they said, no. My name is not Rahimo, my name is Rahim. <laughs> we're like a mad boy. And they were like, oh, you're still young. <laughs> <laughs> but that was my like what I was like looking forward for every Tuesday and I will skip literally school to go to the organization and hang out with them. I think when I was 17, I started to have our queer friends and the community and I met someone through someone who only wanted to be a friend. And then I started to have more friends from the community. Basically, everyone in my life was queer. I had no straight friends. I didn't have friends in college. And it was this time my choice because I just was happy that finally I found people like like me. I started to be more of out there, the person who I wanted to be. But of course, it comes with a lot of price you pay, with a lot of bullying from the outside world. Uh, Speaking about the price you pay, when did you find out that it's illegal to be gay in in Egypt? The time I saw the the queen boat, that was the first instant that put in my mind, I think I belong on this boat, but it just, it was a voice. It wasn't sureness. I knew it was wrong at the age of, of 15. When I got to, I'm like, okay, this is the sin. <laughs> this is the sin. I always knew that it was a, the wrong. It's not accepting, accepted by the society. But I never thought that, I, that something will lead me to go to jail because of that. Till I was walking with my two best friends at the time. And I was, I think at the time, 17. And we were walking down the city center. And then the police stopped us and they asked us for IDs. And then, of course, we, we gave them the, the ID. And then they started asking us weird questions uh they asked me about who is my boyfriend and what is my girly name and what is you know what i mean these kind of questions and luckily i don't know something about that moment told me to lie and i just lied and then they let us go because they find out that we are like underage and then i asked my friend who uh, who was like 21 at the time why did they stop us and they said they know that we are gays and i was like why so he says like babe you are not in france you are not in netherlands and you are not in the uk you are in morocco and this is the law and you you are facing three years of prison just for being gay and i was like no and i felt so scared like, like the thought of me being 17 and going to jail was the worst. So, of course, that was, that was the revelation. Exactly. It's just like the thought of you going to jail for something that you, ne- like, you were just walking in the street and they suspected that you are a gay person. You will be taken literally to jail. I was like probably 
18, 19, when I started to go out in like the underground places. And I also noticed like there would be like the police car would stop and come and most of the queens would run away. And I didn't understand why they're running away. And then one of my friends told me, bitch, if you see them and you sit here, you might end up in jail. <laughs> so the next time you see the car stop, I am not your friend. Run. Run. Disappear. <laughs> Evaporate. <laughs> Where is the airport? Because I don't think I belong here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what I did too. It took me, it took me a long time. Uh, but at, uh, going back to coping, uh, what about, like, have you tried therapy? Have you considered therapy? Six years ago, I have done therapy. I didn't know that I needed therapy until I found I have a lot of issues. And I went to a doctor and he said, I think you need therapy. So I also didn't really know that. It, I thought it's only in the Western world, I have to say. And I was like, oh, is it available here? Oh, yeah, go to this doctor. And I went to this doctor and it's a clinic, actually. And they helped me. And it was like, it took me two years and a half, three years. But it's a work in progress. So I finished with the therapist, but it's still, you have to work on yourself. And this is my greatest learning, that it's a work in progress. As a human being, you are a work in progress. My question was, because you did your therapy in Egypt, so was it... No, 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 no. Hold on. Get it right, sister. I did not get my therapy in Egypt. I'm not based there. When I discovered that, I was not in Egypt. I was out of Asia, somewhere okay. in the MENA region. So would you, did you like? Did you face because in Morocco we have therapy, but sometimes when you go to a therapist, um, they will tell you, "Oh, you know, you can change, and this is the books you can read, and this is the things you can do to stop being gay." Did it, did it happen to you, or did you? First of all, were you were you confident enough, or were you comfortable to talk about you being gay, or you didn't mention that you were gay? Okay, let me tell you this. My therapist is not Arabic, so I had the, the balls to talk. So I knew that it was there would be no judgment. Like I saw him, I'm like, okay, you're gonna be my doctor. So yes, he was not Arab, so I felt comfortable in my bones to talk. And it wasn't like let's talk. It was like more. It was like the first two sessions was more about me, and. Back in the days, I was in a very hard relationship. So I spoke up about my relationship and this. And he started to actually fix a lot of issues or or, or let me talk about this. It wasn't fixing. It wasn't more talking, I have to say. Yeah, because this is the misconception about therapy. We as a human, if you find someone who actually listens to you, that's a therapy in itself, I would say. Yeah. What about you? Definitely. Definitely. So I did therapy for three years in Morocco, actually, uh, with a Moroccan doctor. He was really pro-gay and he was like, yeah, there's nothing wrong with you. And I was like, I know, I know, there is nothing wrong with me. <laughs> but he was like very assuring and allowed me to open up about my secrets that I have. And I felt really, really comfortable, you know. And that was a referral, you know, like I'm HIV positive. So in the organization, they referred me to, to this person who is part of their contact list. So I felt very confident to go there because it was a referral. Because I had a, I heard a lot of stories of people, their parents put them in therapy to like change them. The conversion therapy, but not an institution or anything. It's just like an office and you go. Sometimes you are lucky. You find a doctor who is like open-minded and knows the universal guidelines. So it's basically a doctor. 
he's not a butcher or he's not someone who wants to fucking change it. Exactly. I heard recently that they op- they were promoting this conversion therapy in Egypt. And I was like, really yeah. shocked. They're promoting it nowadays. We're in 2021. This is really sad. I'm 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 shocked to hear that. Well, don't be shocked. It's I'm not shocked it's to be really honest sad. with you. I I will be shocked if they give us our rights. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> that will be shocking for me. <laughs> I want to ask you a question as well. You're out to your family? Are you out to them or not? Yes. Well, I actually am out in every sense of the word. You know, like I have my Instagram is public and it, I'm very queer in it. I have my YouTube channel. I'm very queer in it. But it didn't come naturally. Like, so when my mother found out that I was gay, she found out through like, she read a text in my phone, basically. And she gave me the, the speech of go to therapy and fix yourself. I'll pay for your therapy and I'll fix yourself. Because I was 18 when she found out that I was gay. The worst text ever, like you can find like a sext, not even a text, it was a sext uh, conversation I was having with my boyfriend at the time and she found it and she read through and she had like a meltdown and a heart attack and basically lost her mind and she, she even said, it gets me all the time emotional. <laughs> she looked me in the eyes and she said, I don't wanna have a gay son. And if you carry on being gay, I don't want you in my life. I have five kids. I am happy to stay only with four. Basically, you are dead to me. And that, this, I, it's always hard to talk about it. Even though, like, I moved on, my relationship with my mom is now better than ever. And she knows that I'm gay and she's accepting me who, who I am. But it took me, like, 10 years to reach this point of me saying to her, Mom, I'm not going to get married with a woman. I'm gay. And saying the, the word gay out loud and her, like, not pushing back. It's just amazing, but it was like, it came with a lot of hardship, you know, for her to, to try to change me, for her to, you know, stop talking to me for a, for, for a moment, controlling the way I speak, controlling the way I talk, and controlling the way I, you know, I even I dress up, and I didn't want to make you cry. No, it just kind of reminded me also because I had the same thing. I'm, I'm not out to my parents, but my mom once find out, so she kind of read something. She left the house for a week, and... When she saw me, she told me the same thing. It was this line. said, I never had a boy and I want to go home and he's dead. It was just kind of shocking for me like to receive it, try to, you know, process it and then be punished for something like you don't really understand much. They don't, they don't really have a clue. I think she's still believing that I'm not because we fixed the issue and I, I made a lie and she believed it and we don't talk about it at all and I've been always asked to get married and I have my family but I have a huge distance being not who you are with your family build this fence that keeps getting thicker every single day until the gap between you and your family gets big because when you grow older, you start to feel like you're not being who you are with the closest people to you by blood. I know. It's it's really sad. And I feel like, uh, I same thing to me, by the way. So my, 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 all my family knows that I'm gay, you know? So my brother, even my older brother, stopped talking to me completely for three years without, like, like we were living literally in the same apartment. We were like bumming to each other in the kitchen without saying anything to each other. Like literally we're like f- invisible to each other. Like I will pass by him and he'll pass by me in the corridor without saying anything to each other and not looking each other in the eyes. And my extended family from my mother's side, they were like, you know, like try to change. An aunt of mine was like, you know, I have gay friends, but they are not flamboyant. So stop being flamboyant. 
stop being feminine. So basically as well, we're gonna accept you for being gay, but this kind of gay we want you to be. Not the queen, not the, the loudest queen, with conditions, like it's a conditional love. And uh, also, um, don't say that you are gay. Don't be proud that you are gay. Oh my God. You know what I mean? So the, the distance that, I, that you were talking about, so now I think we've been through that separation for us to go back stronger. And I feel like it's always the tough love that comes first means like, because it took us a long time to come with the terms with our own sexuality. And then from like a blink of an eye, with this is brought to our mothers. Of course, I think they sensed, but still it's out of their mind. And the, when the rumor became a reality, it's just like it breaks their heart. And then the first thing that comes out is like the tough love. No, this is wrong. And I need to hurt you to fix you. Unfortunately, we are hurt. I just hurt. We know we're not fixed. <laughs> you know? But it's 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 sad. It's sad, it's sad. But it, uh, for me, I think I have hope. We as gay people, we get to choose our own family. A famous line before said by RuPaul, we get to build a relationship with people that we choose and we start to be a family. And I think this is something a lot, a lot of people don't understand when they keep telling you, oh, you're too close to your friends than your family. But in fact, actually my friends are my family, I have to say. Like, they know everything about me. And I'm happy to, and I'm happy for you to be my family, Fifi. And me too. I love, I love, I love <laughs> you, I love you, sister. I love you, my sister. Uh, <laughs> I can't cry now, I cried once. No, don't, don't cry. <laughs> I know that you are like a hard, cold bitch. Thank you for saying my last name. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I I really ins I want to insist about the, the the chosen family because that's really what 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 was my coping mechanism in Morocco is having that chosen family and having like a family aside who I am who I am and being myself with them and also like now I have brothers and sisters around the world who are from the LGBT community and I don't know like since childhood the first time I wore that dress in the, uh, when I was a child like just sneaking and like hiding. Tell me, after 20 years later, and me being able to wear that dress and go to a party with a dress, that's, by itself, is like a huge step. And the, the best moment and the best feeling I felt. I'm not someone, I, I, I really always dress up casually. Casually. Was it casual? Casually. <laughs> casually. Yes. That's the heart. Like, it's like a tongue twister. Casually. But wearing that dress gave me superpowers because I didn't feel judged. I was not judged by it. I think it's the same thing for me. Looking back where we were when we were kids, witnessing all the wrong things that happened to us and all the bad things that we've seen and all the good things that we've seen, all the good people that played a role in our life to shape us to who we are now, you kind of feel proud of yourself. And I think when you get older, you start to pride yourself on who you are and you think less of all this amount of hate and this amount of bullying. But now, for me, looking back, had we not passed through those things, maybe we could not be the same people who we are now. You know, it's a journey and it comes included in it. But it's kind of too, too much inclusivity, but it's like, it, it kind of shaped us to where we are. And I think the moral lesson or the moral story in today's topic is self-acceptance. Empathy. I think empathy is the exactly. key. So like you said, if we didn't go through this, we would not have empathy. And vulnerable as well. Vulnerability is key. And a lot of people mix vulnerability with, um, with weakness. And I feel like in vulnerability, there is power. In vulnerability, there is 
greatness and vulnerability that is magic. And I feel like my vulnerability and me being vulnerable and open about my my struggles, that's when I met my 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 true family. And that's when I found people who I really feel the belonging to. So yeah. Good for you. Good for us. I'm happy. Good for both of us. <laughs> Before we close this episode, realizing who we are since we were born, it's not something that we choose. It's the way we were born. And once you begin to understand that we need to accept ourselves and we need to make ourselves happy, it makes difference. It makes you so comfortable in your own skin. And I think... I think the best line from RuPaul again, if you don't love yourself, how the hell are you going to love, love somebody, somebody else? Yeah. And I think this is the best quote to, to end this episode. And you guys, if you like this episode, like it, subscribe to our podcast, reach out to us on Instagram, and please send us questions, interactions, and suggestions for our future episode. Have a good weekend, and, and bye! bye.